iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators, such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are unaffiliated entities. Hello, my name is Navia Jenkins-Johnston. I am the senior conference producer for wealthmanagement.com events like Inside ETFs, Retirement Income Edge, Wealthstack, and I am pleased to host the Wealth Management Edge Visionaries podcast. We get a chance here to speak to the subject matter experts who make our conference unforgettable. Thanks for joining us. I am so excited to be talking with Michelle Richter Gordon, my good friend and all around expert on all things annuities, all things retirement and all things regulation in this space. And I think that this is one of those really interesting um, conversations that can be so steeped in, 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 in rules and in information that we lose the real story. So I'm excited to have Michelle on um, to, to sort of explain all of the details uh, in, in what has become really amazing news right now. So without further ado, I introduce to our audience, Michelle Richter Gordon, co-founder of Annuity Research and Consulting. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm shocked that um, you trust me to bring this language down to an understandable level. I can't say I am well known for that, but I swear I will do my best. Um, for those of you who do not know Michelle Richter Gordon, I feel like that is no one. But for those of you who do not know Michelle Richter Gordon, her LinkedIn calls her several things, right? Uh, Michelle is known as an analyst. She's known as an empath, a knower of speech parts, and a straight <laughs> baller, right? This is what's in her LinkedIn description. But might I add also a shot caller? Why do I say that? She's been calling the shots, calling the pleas before they even happen, and she has a really uh, interesting perspective on a particular piece of regulation or the lack thereof that's currently affecting the story that's being told about retirement, about annuities, and uh, really is calling calling out um, the industry. And we we actually have a really cool phrase that we put together, a cool hashtag. And Michelle actually went ahead and used it. And it's it's hashtag regulate me. Um, Michelle, can you explain why you need to be regulated and, and why that's your hashtag now? <laughs> yeah, well, if, if anyone would like for my insane LinkedIn posts to discontinue, that's that's the call to action, right? Is that yes. because as it stands, 
unfortunately, I my conduct doesn't have a regulatory authority. And as such, there isn't somebody to help me understand whether my words are true and whether they conform to what will come to be a regulatory framework that should regulate me. I think that this is really um, interesting because as part of the story that you've been telling on LinkedIn, you explain the difference between some of the definitions, right, for the wording that that is thrown around around retirement. The goal of retirement, um, the whole retirement income services industry is to protect our clients, right? Fiduciaries yeah. have a legal, a legal really debt to their clients to manage based on their best interest and not on, you know, not, not based on their own. Right. Right. Um, But, but you, you've been talking a little bit about the definitions of financial advisor, investment advisor, fiduciary, and how that affects regulation and therefore affects retirees. Can you tell us a little bit about why these definitions matter? (laughs) A little bit or a lot? (laughs) I'll do, like I said, I'll do my best to keep it short. But um, so, so obviously retirement income is a critical part of what Americans are saving for. And um, given the societal loss of defined benefit pensions, um, I observe some trends happening that worry me extensively. And it relates to Um, the interpretation, unfortunately, currently by FINRA, that investment advisor carries the same meaning as does financial advisor. Unfortunately, for a logician like myself, that feels very upsetting because income, retirement income, or any other form of income is reflected on a consumer's um, income statement. Okay. And investments are reflected on the left-hand side of the balance sheet. All investments are assets. The insurance industry, in my view, is the liability minimization industry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, as it stands with FINRA's perception that investment advisor is the only way to perform as financial advisor, What winds up happening is that the only way for an advisor, and I believe and I can prove that advisors are people who sell verbs, okay? So in financial services, we have several different types of financial professional. They include advisors, brokers, and agents, Okay. As it stands, the only form of advisor that's scalable is investment advisor, mm-hmm. which does not mean the same thing as does financial advisor, because financials occur on the right side of the balance sheet, on the income statement, and most importantly, probably at the bottom of the statement of not worth which is where wealth is reflected. Now you represent a publication called Wealth Management, right? Okay. I do. So so I, I assert that wealth management means the management of the intersection between assets and liabilities. 
-hmm. When America lost access to defined benefit pensions, it lost access to institutions caring about the management of assets and liabilities together. Investment advisors don't carry a responsibility to manage your liabilities. They carry a responsibility to manage your investments prudently according to your risk tolerance. And because this is true, and because financial planning is governed under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 as amended, where investments all occur on the left side of the balance sheet, but financials occur across financial statements to a logician, this is an abomination, right? Tell me how this is affecting the average retiree. You talk a little yes. bit in, 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 in the post about what it means to minimize liability <laughs> right. to protect retirement yeah. income, right? We talk about it. Yes. In, uh, what else are we doing when we talk about so, retirement income, but wanting it protected? Yeah. So, so, you know, an investment advisor is not responsible for managing your retirement income. And that doesn't mean they won't, but they aren't legally responsible. Okay. So consider, for example, that uh, consider the example of a registered investment advisor that uh, communicates with the American public on nationally televised commercials saying that that person is a fiduciary and because they're a fiduciary and they hate annuities, so should you. So should you. So consider those words from the perspective of investment advice as differs from financial advice. I will use a technical word now, just once. <laughs> um, the GIPS <laughs> compliant performance metrics of a registered investment advisor don't account for cash flows into or out of the managed portfolio. So the person who represents themselves as a fiduciary is doing so in the field of asset management, okay? So I don't argue that that person has a right to call themselves a fiduciary in that field. However, I think that the average American would prefer to have somebody serving them in the domain of wealth management, yes. where wealth management means the intersection between assets and liabilities. So exactly. if it were the case that, um, my field had verb sales, <laughs> service sales, mm -hmm. it would be the case that we'd have countervailing commercials that would say, ask that person, fiduciary of what? Oh, fiduciary in the field of asset management, not wealth management. You're not legally responsible if the market doesn't perform as expected and my assets run out in retirement. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I want a different kind of fiduciary serving me, right? This so, is... so if my field had codification mm -hmm. of insurance advisement, which would mean, so advisement, <laughs> Advisement, anytime the suffix meant is added to a verb, it means the repeatable process by which the verb is sold. 
Thus, advisement means the process of selling advising. And I argue that investment advisement is such a very valid view of the world. It just is not the only valid view of the world. Because if what you care about, imagine you're the federal government, okay? And you created ERISA, which stands for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974 as amended. And imagine that you created the Revenue Act of 1978 and that the combination of these things created the defined contribution space. Now, as it stands, there is no motivation whatsoever for retirement income to be derived from the defined contribution space because it's an accumulation-only space where compensation occurs by virtue of assets under management. If you were the government and you were desiring for retirement income to be derived from ERISA and for revenue to be derived from the Revenue Act, what you should do is align advisor compensation with your imperative as a government, which also will serve consumers by creating a lens through which an advisor can be compensated for delivering retirement income. If that were the case, it would no longer be the case that advisors would recommend to clients that they hold their qualified assets to bequeath to their heirs mm. because is- their compensation would be aligned with what the government desires. As such, the government should strongly consider a regulatory lens for income under advisement to be a billing frame because advising just means selling verbs. It doesn't mean investment advising. There could be liability advising. There could be retirement income advising. And there could be wealth advising codified not by the Investment Advisors Act, but by an act that acknowledges the lens that I'm describing. Yes, this this is incredible because one of the key takeaways for me, right, uh, working as a, a, a content leader in our events um, is that we want to provide advisors with the best knowledge to do the work that they need to be doing and to do it well. I asked Michelle um, a few months ago if she would honor us with her presence as a speaker for our upcoming Retirement Income Edge Conference in May at Wealth Management Edge at the Diplomat Beach Resorts, um, May 13th through the 16th. And she very graciously uh, said yes. Why is this important? Why is everything that Michelle Richter Gordon just shared so impactful for the lives of advisors. At Retirement Income Edge, we are talking about the convergence of wealth and retirement. And if that space is muddied by a lack of real understanding that you are here as an advisor to protect clients according to laws and stipulations that the government sets up, we have a, we have a, a, a serious problem on our hands 
And I think this is part of the lack of trust that lots of, of clients face when it comes to retirement. They feel that even the advisor that is, is mandated to represent them isn't someone they can necessarily uh, fully fully trust with the most important um, turn of, of, of investments that, that, that their life produces. We talk about the accumulation stage all the time, but when we really think about what matters, our children, our spouses, the legacy that we leave, decumulation becomes more and more important. And we need to find a space where we can really bring those two together. What can we do? What should we be doing, Michelle? Well, I feel that um, there should be regulators or lobbying bodies that should be concerned about the possibility that my words are true and to advocate accordingly. Um, and I also feel that more research into uh, the academic support for what I'm saying should occur. And I'd love to pick up on what you were just saying about the import of um, that, those protections for consumers by nerding out on you for just a second, if you wouldn't <laughs> mind. Um, please, please in, nerd out on in me. In homage to Dr. Harry Markowitz, who is the inventor of modern portfolio theory and who just recently, unfortunately, passed away in his, in his ripe old age, having earned all of the accolades that he deserved. Um, Dr. Markowitz in 1991, about 15 minutes after being awarded the Nobel in 1990 for the invention of modern portfolio theory was asked, and I was taught this quote by Wade Fowle, who's taught me a ton. He was asked at that time, what, how does your amazing invention of modern portfolio, which as we know is the framework under which all modern asset management either occurs or is defined against, mm -hmm. he was asked at that time, how does your amazing research apply to consumers? And he said, and, and please forgive me for paraphrasing here, but he said, oh my goodness, my research applies to mutual funds, to institutions. Asset management is an institutional lens. A note of consideration for adaptation of MPT to consumer finance optimization is merited. That call to action occurred in 1991, and we stand unresolved in this regard because of non-recognition that there exists a distinction between asset management, which is an institutional lens upon the world, meaning manage the assets subject to the risk tolerance of the person who fills out the risk tolerance questionnaire. Right. Whereas wealth management means a human-oriented lens. It's what financial planning is, right? It means know your consumer. It means know their assets and their liabilities and all other financial-oriented needs that they have and manage their assets as part of the services you provide. Asset management is a subset of wealth management, not a synonym to it. And I'm not the genius who first figured this out. It was Harry Markowitz, and it was 32 years ago. 
So why have we not produced the research that would, you know, answer his question? I, I absolutely love this. We talk about wealth management edge as a PhD <laughs> in, <laughs> as a PhD in, in wealth management, in retirement income, in fintech, in a number of, of different spaces that um, come together to prepare advisors um, for what is coming in the future. And I think that one of the uh, interesting questions here that is obviously looming is all of the change that Secure 2.0 has brought about, right? The changes that came from Secure 1.0 into 2.0, in fact, you know, questions about what could be in Secure 3.0 if we started to look out into that direction. And so we already see that there, we can, if we want to, make changes in regulation that really impact, right, the yes. lives of average retirees. So when we are waiting for 32 years <laughs> <laughs> right. to, Im- to implement the changes that, that, that are, are necessary, uh, we have, a, we have a, an, a, an area that really needs to be focused in on. And so I am excited to take Retirement Income Edge in a slightly different direction. Uh, Michelle and I have talked about the fact that we will have real deep engaging conversations with our audiences where they will participate and not just be talked at. (laughs) And so we're excited to actually start Wealth Management Edge, to have Wealth Management Edge kick off with the conversations that are most important to us. We know that by 2035, the number of women that will be managing through their own wealth, through inherited wealth, through changes in just the way that the world works, the amount of money that will be managed by women is unprecedented. The the changes that we see in financial advisors, what a financial advisor uh, demographic used to used to look like versus what it will look like. All of this is changing. And so the financial advisor, the retirement advisor of the future needs to be prepared for these changes. Michelle, that I want to so come- true. That is so true. I couldn't even wait for you to finish the lead in. My gosh. You know who really likes insurance? It's women. <laughs> women have a deep appreciation for the guarantees, subject to the creditworthiness of the insurance company, that come to be available only through insurance. Now, um, that's not to say that only women are the correct prospects for um, annuities or insurance. It's just saying that, you know, where the financial profession has historically and oftentimes has, has historically, uh, you know, tended to veer towards communication with the male member of the household. To your point, that may not be the future of the experience of the financial advisor. And so, you know, I, I feel, you know, with, I, I want to add to your list of impending legislation, the potential for DOL fiduciary impacting um, before 
you know, before the end of next year, um, the conduct expectations of of certain types of financial professional, you know, from from my lens, you know, there is more and more of a need for guaranteed income as part of a uh, appropriate financial plan. And in given the loss of defined benefit pensions in our society, as mentioned earlier, women tend to have an appreciation for guarantees in general. And so, you know, I think the financial advisor of the future will need to seriously consider including insurance annuities amongst the amongst the investment options or amongst the uh, considerations that they perform when they perform their job. Now, the challenge that I see uh, coming, you know, potentially very soon for the insurance industry is not only DOL fiduciary, but um, more generally a move in America towards the preference for paying for services rather than paying for products Mm -hmm. um, in financial services. And because the insurance industry doesn't have a service sale framework, because insurance is sold by agents and brokers who are authorized to sell products, but are not authorized to sell services, Whereas financial advisors sell services, um, those so so Reg BI's FAQs um, let us know that a person who is authorized to use the title financial advisor is a person who holds an RIA affiliation. RIAs sell services only; they don't sell products. They introduce products. Right. But sell means to exchange remuneration in direct respect to X, where X is a verb in the RIA channel and it's a noun in the agent and broker channels. Why is there not a verb sale frame for liability minimization or retirement income optimization or wealth management? Why is there not? We need change in this space. And I think that what I am most excited about is seeing this community create that change <laughs> live um, as it happens. And that's why we wanted to bring this to you. As this news was going out, um, we need uh, to be conscious of how these changes are going to affect all of us. So Michelle, thank you so much for bringing uh, this to our attention. And I continue to support the hashtag regulate me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You are very welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So it's very fun. And I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing to help the community because regulation changes so quickly and it really, and it goes back and forth and it's completely unfair to the experience of the individual advisor trying to operate out there. So there's a such a need for education and support on their side. And I'm grateful that you, your team provides that for them. I am very excited to bring this conversation uh, to Wealth Management Edge in May. 
Uh, you definitely want to to attend. You want to attend to be in a small group with Michelle Richter Gordon to pick her brain to talk more about the importance of regulation. And we look forward to seeing you there. Michelle, thank you for joining us. My name is Michelle Richter Gordon. I like to disclose that uh, one role in which I serve is as executive director of the Institutional Retirement Income Council, which is a nonprofit think tank that advocates for income to be derived from the defined contribution space. My views expressed in this podcast are my own, and they are not necessarily indicative of the views of the IRIC or any of its member companies. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators, such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are unaffiliated entities.